Well, we, tonight we are going to continue in our sessions on uh, what we are calling praying with all manner of prayer. And this is for class, an AFCM Bible training class. And so we want to say, welcome students. Why don't you all say welcome? Wave the camera anyway. We're so glad to be able to have this opportunity to share the Word of God with you. If you've been with us in our past two previous sessions, you'll know that our golden text for this class is Ephesians six eighteen out of the Amplified. And it reads this way, Praying at all times, on every occasion, in every season, in the Spirit, with all manner of prayer and entreaty, to that end, keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance, interceding in behalf of all the saints, God's consecrated people. Does anybody think it's important that we pray? The day and age in which we are living in, this scripture couldn't be more clear that we need to be alert. We need to be watching. We need to have strong purpose and perseverance just in our walk with the Lord, but certainly in our prayer life as well. Prayer really, it's the foundation. The success of any Christian endeavor is based on the prayer behind it. So prayer is vital. Prayer is so important. And uh, praying has always been a part, really should be a part of every believer's life and of the church corporately. I was reading a lot in the book of Acts today, and we'll be referencing quite a few scriptures from there because our theme tonight is going to be the prayer of agreement and the prayer of united prayer. We're going to be covering those two together. So I want to read a passage beginning in Acts chapter 2 and verse uh, 42 out of the NLT. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. So we see from this passage that the early church was devoted to four things. There were many others, but this verse highlights these four things. Now, I'm not going to talk about them in order of importance. It might be that way in some people's lives. It really shouldn't be. But one thing that it said, number one, fellowship. And then number two, I thought this was interesting, eating together. So, the church is still really good at that verse. And we, use, we say it around here in our church a lot that we act on that verse that says, if you feed them, they will come. And that's not really a passage of scripture, but it works. Whenever there's food involved, we always get more people. So the early church were good at fellowshipping, good at having meals together. And then, of course, it says, and that they devoted themselves to the teaching of the word of God and to prayer. So we're going to center in on that. They devoted themselves to Prayer. How many of you would agree that we need to have a devotion and a dedication that we nurture our prayer lives? Amen? So let's talk about the prayer of agreement. 
First of all, the prayer of agreement is that it's got to be at least two people coming together. The word agree literally means this, to be of one mind or opinion. So let's look over in Matthew chapter 18 and we'll look at verse 18 and 19. I'm going to be reading this out of the King James Version. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Verse 19. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. That's a good place to say amen. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? So the prayers that we pray here on earth affect even the heavenly realm. Heaven is moved by the prayers that we pray here on earth. And it also says whatever we bind. So we have the authority to bind the devil and to loose the power of God. A praying Christian produces a power that changes things. And how much more power is released when two or more believers come in to agreement with the same mind and the same purpose. There's a scripture over in the book of Deuteronomy and it says that one will put a thousand to flight and two 10,000. I mean, it'd be great if it said one will put a thousand and two will put 2,000. No, it's multiplied by 10 when you get even two believers on the same page praying the same direction and saying the same thing. That's power, isn't it? Now, I want to read that same passage out of the Amplified. Truly, I tell you, Whatever you forbid and declare to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit and declare proper and lawful on earth must be what is already permitted in heaven. Again, I tell you, if two of you on earth agree, listen to these words, harmonize together, make a symphony together about whatever they may ask, it will come to pass and be done for them by my Father in heaven. Praise the Lord. Amen. So we can declare whatever the devil is trying to do in our life as unlawful. We can see ourselves holding up a stop sign and saying, you have to obey the law, the law of the written word of God. I'm declaring what you're trying to do in my physical body, what you're trying to do in my family, what you're trying to do in my finances is against the law. You're breaking the law. It's improper and it's unlawful. It's against the law of the written word. And I command you to stop and cease in your maneuvers against me, my family, my affairs in the mighty name 
of Jesus. We can tell him to put it. We can stop him in Jesus' name. We can do that by ourselves, but we're talking about agreement. You get somebody coming into agreement with you, it makes tremendous power available. Amen. It's awesome. Every one of us need to have faith buddies. We need to have good friends in the natural, but we need to have some really good faith buddies. If you're married and you and your husband are both born again, that's a powerful combination. Even if you're single, find yourself a good friend that believes the Word of God. And you can come into that perfect harmony. Hallelujah. And stop the attacks of the enemy. Now, there's some other things that we want to note about this passage of Scripture that's really important. First of all, it said, if any two of you agree on earth. It can be a problem if people are living in la-la land and just not facing reality, floating around somewhere up here in the clouds, oblivious to what's going on in the world or in their lives. No, you got to have your feet here on earth. you got to be in a physical body before you can come into agreement. We're not floating around up there in the clouds. But then also another point about this agreement is you can't agree if a request is not in line with the Word of God. If somebody comes up to you and they say, you know, I want you to agree with me that so-and-so will marry me. And you kind of look a little startled and you're like, "Uh, she's already married. Well, that's not going to work. That's not in line with the Word of God. That's not coming into a prayer of agreement. That's probably called lust. We're not going to get into that. So anyhow, make sure that when a person comes up and asks you to agree, their request is in line with the Word of God. And then I grew up in a wonderful Pentecostal church. And every Sunday night, you know, we'd take like prayer requests and testimonies. And sometimes people would raise their hand and say, you know, I have an unspoken prayer request. And we all thought that was really deep. And that was, oh man, it must be something really serious. And you know, God knows the cries of our hearts. But when someone comes up to you and they say, I want you, takes your hands and they say, I want you to agree with me. And you say, well, what about? And they get this look on their face. Do I have to tell you? Well, your response, don't be mean, but be kind. And just say, if you want me to agree, you certainly do. And they may come back, well, God knows what's in my heart. Yeah, God knows, but I don't. And I can't agree unless you're willing to tell me. Again, don't be mean, but (laughs) make sure you know what you're agreeing about. And then also, in the prayer of agreement, it's vital to locate where a person is at in their faith. Not to judge and not to condemn. But if a person is facing maybe a major illness and they need to go on medication or maybe even perhaps 
they need a surgical procedure. And they come to you and they say, you know, I want you to agree with me that as I'm taking this medication, it's not going to hurt me. It's not going to harm me. It's just going to do what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to help me. Or someone comes and says, you know, I need to have this surgery. Can you agree with me for a quick, speedy recovery? It's not our place to say, oh, now come on. You know God will heal you. You don't have to have to, the surgery. What do you mean take medication? No, that's not the walking in love. We're not ever supposed to look down on where a person is. And probably if you were in their same condition, you'd be wanting the surgery too. So don't ever condemn somebody where they might be. We never try to get somebody to come way up here in their faith. We locate where they're at and we come into agreement. We've seen it happen over and over. I've seen it even in my own physical body. When I've had to face surgery, that God met me there supernaturally. And a wonderful, miraculous recovery. And so find out where people are at. Don't try to preach them to get way up here. You come to where their faith is and hook up with it, not in judgment, but in love. And you'll see the power of God released in that situation. Amen. And then another thing is that, you know, we need to, I think we're going to, we're going to go on to United Prayer. We already covered that pretty good. You feel pretty good about prayer of agreement. You got some good information there. Amen. So now let's look at United Prayer. The word united literally means this. The state of being one or united. A oneness. Singleness of purpose, the quality of being one in spirit. There is such power in unity, such power in united purpose. We know there's wonderful power in united praise and Worship. There's examples over in the Old Testament where it says the singers and the praisers became so much as one that they lifted up their voice. God heard one voice to praise and to worship him. And the glory filled the place where they couldn't even stand. That's unity. That's wonderful. And when we can find that same place in prayer, we are going to see amazing results. Now, united prayer or corporate prayer, we'll use those terms interchangeably, a corporate prayer meeting, a united prayer meeting is not where you've got a bunch of people. You've got 50, 60 people all coming together and somebody's over here, somebody's over there, and they're all praying about 50 or 60 different things. That's not united prayer. That's a gathering maybe, but it's not an assembly where people are assembled together to offer their supply. And the thing that the turn up keeps coming up and go in the same direction. United prayer meetings, corporate prayer meetings is where there is a leader and the leader may call different ones to come up and lead in prayer. But whatever is stated that we're going to pray about, that's what we pray about. 
together. You might pray about it in tongues. You may pray about it in English, but you're praying over the same subject. That oneness of purpose is what causes the power to be released. Amen? We follow the leader. We get in one Accord Accord literally means to make a symphony or to harmonize. Now, I know that we have a lot of students in many different nations, but I would suspect that all over the world, people have had the opportunity to hear children play musical instruments. Maybe in a school band, maybe in a little church band. And normally... Uh, children, elementary school children, are not going to sound like a professional orchestra or a professional band. They may be trying to play the same song, but some of them may be in completely different keys. And it's a little bit ouch to the ear. You know, it's kind of like, oh, wow, that, that person, that little kid over there, I think they're playing a completely different song or, you know, or the drummer is a whoa, that's not even in the beat. You can tell when it's somebody that's not a professional, but if you go and there's this band or, or this orchestra that's rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed, there's a difference. They're making a sound that is unified. They're making a beautiful sound. I wonder sometimes when God, when we say we're going to have a corporate prayer meeting and we're all going to pray, we're going to pray for the lost or we're going to pray for those that are recovering from an illness, whatever the case may be. And then God's like, ouch, I kind of hear a bunch of stuff going on. There's not any harmony there. He's saying, wait, guys, just could you hit the same chord so that that power that I want to send could be released. We know all through the book of Acts what happened when believers got in one accord. Amen. Very familiar Acts chapter 2. Verse 1 through 4. Now, this is not our subject, but I want to read this passage because I like it so much. And it does illustrate to us what happens when there is that one accord. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with what? One accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This was a set time that the Holy Spirit was to descend and to be poured out. It was on God's calendar. It was during, or it was the Feast of Pentecost. But there were some criteria for it to happen. And one of those was they needed to be in one accord. When they got together, that 120 in the upper room, that grandma and grandpa weren't over there in the corner playing checkers. And mama and the daughters weren't over there exchanging recipes. No, they were focused on we're waiting 
We were told to come to this place and to wait until we are endued with power from on high. They did what they were supposed to do and the Holy Ghost did what He was sent to do. He descended upon them and He filled them to overflowing with His power. And you know, there may be some students that are listening right now and you have not yet been filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. I want to encourage you. If you have not had this wonderful glorious experience once your class is over you find your instructors you find the Bible school leader. You find someone that can help you and pray with you. We all need to be endued with this power from on high. Oh thank God for our heavenly helper. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Talk about help in your prayer life. We'll get into that in some other sessions. But the Holy Spirit is sent. One of His main functions is to help us pray even more effectively. So I encourage you, if you're not, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So after the, this happened with these 120 and the disciples spilled out into the streets. We know there was wonderful revival that broke out and all, man, things were popping, things were happening. And you continue the sequence of what happened after the day of Pentecost and Peter and John over in chapter three. We're just going to give you some background and you can go and read this later. I encourage you read the book of Acts. Hallelujah. But Peter and John it gives us this description that they were going into the temple and they passed through this gate called beautiful and there was a lame man that was laying there begging for alms and the bible says they looked upon him and he he looked on them and he said you know give me silver and gold and they the reply was we don't have silver and gold not that they didn't have it they probably didn't have it on them right then but we such as we have give us unto you And what did they do? They said in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And that lame man rose up and he went walking and leaping and praising God. Well, you would think that everybody that saw this, everybody that knew this man, and I'm sure the whole community was very aware of who he was. They passed that way every single day when they went into the temple, when they saw that he was walking and leaping and praising God, you think they would have been happy. But no, not the religious leaders, not the religious devils. They got stirred up all right, but not to give glory to God. They got stirred up to try to quiet Peter and John down. But you know, they couldn't stop him. So we continue to tell you the story. Y'all like Bible stories? These aren't fairy tales. These are true events that happened. Over in Acts chapter 4, they arrest, they had Peter arrested and they threatened him and they said, you are not to preach anymore in the name of Jesus. But we want to look 
at Peter's response, Peter and John's response. So we do want to read Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they saw boldness on them. That's a good thing right there. And they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. That's a wonderful accusation. Would to God that we were all accused of that. Would to God that when we walked into our place of employment or what, whatever, you, you're going about your daily routine and you walk into a place and people just step back and go, whoa, you've been with Jesus. Well, that can happen. And it should happen. I believe it is going to happen more and more in this day. The darker that the world gets, the brighter that the church is going to shine. And people will see him upon us. They'll be aware that we have been with Jesus. Hallelujah. So they didn't know what to do with them. They thought, man, if we keep them in jail, if we do this or do that, then we're going to have an uproar. So they just decided, they just kept threatening them. Don't you preach anymore in the name of Jesus. Well, you notice Peter and John did not agree to that. In verse 23, once they let them go, this is what happened. And being let go, they went to their own company And they reported all that the chief priest and the elders had said to them. There's so much in this. One thing that stands out, they went to their own company. They knew where to go, where people were praying. And where people would come into agreement with them. And that people would speak encouraging words to them. Not discouraging words. We all need our own company. We all need our own local church. We all need a group of like-minded believers that we are connected with. Connected with not just physically, but connected spiritually. We're on the same page. Lester Summerall, some of you probably heard of him, a great man of God, been in heaven many years now. But I heard him say this, the first banana that leaves the bunch is the first one that gets peeled. So don't leave the bunch. Stay connected with the people that God has hooked you up with. It's a place of safety, provision, and power is found in our own company. So Peter and John, they go and tell them what had happened. And let's continue in verse 24. And when they heard that... They lifted up, now notice this, their voice. I love that it doesn't say they lifted up their voices. It says they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. And they said, Lord, thou art God, which hath made heaven and earth and all the sea and all that in them is. Their voice, they were, again, there was a harmony, there was a unity, and God heard it as one voice lifted 
unto him. And then we won't take time to read it, but the, all the way down through verse 28, they begin to magnify God. They talk about how big he is. They remind themselves of what he's done in the past and how he delivered the children of Israel. And they just go on and on about how awesome God is. And not one time do they bring up the problem. They just talk about God. You're so big. You're so wonderful. You've delivered us before. We thank you, God. Hallelujah. Now then in verse 29, this is where they bring up the problem. Now, Lord, look on their threats. And grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal. And that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. They did not ask the Lord to help them calm down. Oh Lord, just help us be a little more discreet. Oh, Lord, help us just blend in. And, oh, God, can you just please help us stay out of jail? That wasn't good. We don't want to go there again. Just show us what we need to do to stay out of trouble. No. What did they do? They said, give us more boldness that we may with even greater fervor declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, that we may even through your power coming upon us, Lord, take our hands. Let us stretch forth our hands. And when our hands are extended to the sick, let your hand flow through us. Lord, let there be even more healings. Lord, let there be even more signs, wonders, and miracles. Hallelujah. And God was pleased with that prayer. We know he was because he showed up in verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Hallelujah. That had to be some strong power showing up on the scene. I mean, it's something when people shake under the power of God. But there was so much power that descended upon that group of people that the very building started shaking. He was pleased with their united prayer and their request for more boldness. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Tremendous power was extended and made available when they came into that place of harmony. And when I teach, I like to use windows in my sermon. So I want to tell you a modern day story of the power of united prayer. Many years ago now, we purchased this building that we are in. But we live in, a, in the San Francisco Bay Area. Property is very expensive. We pastored here many years without owning our own property. And this facility came available. And at, it was at one time a movie theater that had been closed for quite, quite a long time. And so we made an offer on this building. We actually purchased it. 
And once we purchased the building, there was like immediate opposition from the city that we live in. The city did not want a church in this facility. They wanted something, you know, like a movie theater or a retail store where they could collect taxes and get revenue into the city. So it was actually in December, it was right around Christmas time, there was an article, headline in the newspaper that says, Mayor Seeks to Block Church. By the way, Merry Christmas. I mean, that's not really the news you want to get right before Christmas, right? Or any time. But we knew what we were going to have to do. We were going to have to go before the city council and plead our case and say why we had every right and why we should own this building and it should be our church. So we did what the early church did. It was in January, I believe. I don't remember the exact date that we were going to go before the city council meeting, but it was on a Sunday night. We did what the early church did. We had a corporate prayer meeting. And I remember one of the scriptures that the Lord put in my heart was Job chapter 23, verse 14. This scripture says, For he performeth the thing that is appointed for me. And many such things are with him. It was like a rhema word that this building had an appointment with us. And I believe, students, some of you, you're getting ready to step out into ministry. You need buildings. You need properties. You can take this scripture. If God gives you a witness about a certain property or certain building, take this scripture and say, that building has an appointment with me. I call it into the kingdom of God for his glory and for his purpose. Amen. So once this happened at this prayer meeting, we, there were seven members on the city council that we had to go before. And uh, that night as we had the prayer meeting, you know, I'm thinking, well, all we need is four. If we get four, three, we win it. We get five, two, you know, you go on and on, add up to seven. If we have the majority, we're good. And so that's kind of what I was thinking. But during that prayer me- meeting, One of our wonderful sisters in the church came up and she said, I believe God said we're going to get a 7-0 vote. And I'm thinking, you know, as as a pastor, well, I'd be good if we had 5-2. That would be really good. You know, not wanting her to be disappointed, but she was vehement. No, God said we're getting a 7-0 vote. Well, the night came where we had to go before the city council. We packed that hall with church members. We had several people talking about how the church had impacted their life. We had young people of all different ages sharing the impact of this church and this community. Hallelujah. And how a church like ours was needed on this property. So we went through all of that. And at the end, the mayor said, well, I'm going to make a motion. Still, me, I've just been honest and transparent. And I'm thinking, yeah, I know you are. And I'm thinking it wasn't going to be good. But she made the motion. The one just a few weeks before had put in the newspaper, Mayor Seeks to Block Church. She made the motion that they give us our conditional use permit. Hallelujah. 
And then every single one of them, they have to push these little buttons, went down the line, and it came, they light up on the board. And this one kind of disgruntled guy, he even said, well, I don't want to vote this way. But he pushed yes. We got a 7-0 vote. Hallelujah. I know that our church members were in agreement with us, but I also know something happened that night that we had that corporate united prayer meeting. We lifted up our voice unto the Lord, and he heard and he answered. Glory to God. And he'll do the same for you. Again, you find yourself a group of like-minded believers and you'll be astounded at the things God will do in and through your prayers. Amen? Now, as we get ready to close, just one quick other little biblical account that I want to touch on. And again, I'm just going to give you the background. I grew up in Sunday school. I know these Bible stories. So, you know, you can read them. I'm telling you the truth. It's in the Bible. But in Acts chapter 12, this is the account where James had been killed. And Herod saw that it pleased the people. So once again, Peter got arrested. And the church did not want to lose another disciple. So the Bible tells us again what this group of people, these believers began to do. In Acts chapter 12 verse 5 out of the Amplified, so Peter was kept in prison, but fervent prayer for him was persistently made to God by the church. You can read the account. The church is over here. This house praying fervently and earnestly for Peter's life to be spared. I'm sure that's what they were praying. They didn't know how God was going to do it. But at the same time as they were praying, an angel showed up in the prison. He had to wake Peter up. He was so peaceful under the presence of God, sound asleep, woke him up, opened the prison door, took him out into the street. When he got him to a safe location, the Bible says... Peter came to himself. He thought this was all a dream until the angel disappeared. He's standing there like, that really happened. That happened. And so he knew where to go. He knew to go to the place where this group of people were praying. He knocks on the door. A young girl comes to the door. He says, it's Peter. Let me in. She was so astounded, she didn't even let him in. She ran back and told the others, Peter's knock, knock, knocking on the door. And they were like, no, he's in prison. And he keeps on knocking. So finally, they let him in. Hallelujah. And he was delivered. And he was led out of the city safely. It's kind of interesting, though. This group of believers were doing the right thing. They were having a united prayer group, but they were not expecting the answer to come like it did. So whenever we're praying, maybe for deliverance or we're praying for something to turn around, when the answer shows up, maybe a little differently than what you expected, don't have the answer out there knock, knock, knocking on the door. Let the answer in. 
God does things in an unusual and sometimes unlikely ways. I'm sure what the church was praying was that Peter wouldn't be killed. But they were literally, they must not have been expecting him to show up at the door. But the answer came the way God wanted it to come. So when you pray for something, don't have preconceived ideas of how God's going to turn it around or how God's going to give you that breakthrough. You just have your expectancy out there that I don't know the how, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I know the who. Hallelujah. And when it shows up, I'm going to let the answer in. Hallelujah. Amen. They made earnest prayer on behalf of Peter, it says, constantly. And God showed up and God gave them the answer. We've quoted this scripture over and over and I want to read it as our last scripture in James chapter 5, just the last part of it, verse 16 in the Amplified. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. And that word dynamic is what I want to center in on just for a few moments here. It is the same. It's the Greek word for it. You say it's something like phenomy, but in our English language, probably in your language too, it's the same root word where we get dynamite. So this is letting us know when we release tremendous, our prayer that dynamite power is released. Dynamite power that opens prison doors. Dynamite power that brings supernatural deliverance on the scene. Dynamite power that shows, causes angels to show up. As I was praying, this phrase came up, and I'm going to read it just like it came. Don't think a closed door or an evil government can keep God out. Don't think a closed door or even an evil government can keep God out. As I was praying, students, I was hearing this, that God is going to send some of you to places where it may be illegal to preach the gospel. But the Lord says, believe me for open doors. Believe me to connect you with the right people. Oh, my, my, my. Many are crying out. Do you hear the cries of lost, dying, sighing humanity? Many are crying out. And they're saying, if there is a God, show yourself to us. If there really is a God, reveal unto us your ways. Do you hear their cries? Oh, hallelujah. Jesus, our Lord and our Master, He said, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. And one of the ways that we are to pray for the harvest is that God would send for labors into his harvest field. 
so many of you students, you are those laborers. You're the ones that the Spirit of God is on heavy. And He's calling you. He's sending you forth into those fields that are white. He's sending you to those that have not yet heard. How many of you will answer the call and say, Hear my Lord. Send me. I'll go. I'll be your mouthpiece. I'll be your hands extended. Well, once again, as we close, I want to encourage you to get together with maybe other students or your church family and begin to pray over these things. Begin to pray over the precious fruit of the earth. Every single lost person is worthy of the blood of Jesus. And he died for each and every person on the face of this earth. No matter how remote the village is where they may live. They're precious to him. And as you begin to pray, yes, in your individual life, but so much more as you begin to pray with your church, with your fellow students, with your family. I know, I know that I know that there's going to be a call that comes upon your life and there's going to be the way made for you to go and to reach unreached people groups. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. It's been a joy to share with you again tonight. Until next time, remember, we love you. So does Jesus.